Sweetly singing 
mountains and refined, echoing that joyous strain. Thrill of 
series based off of Hark the Carols, and we're going to see some of the words in these great Christmas carols that we sing that mean so much to us, but God, we're going to learn something more important about the words of the song, but the reason why they're sung. So God, we give you praise, glory, and honor in all things. We thank you for this night divine that came so long ago that brought your presence to us. We give you praise in Christ's name.
Christmas songs, huh? It's kind of odd that we're, we're at that point, but here we are. Here we are in December, December the 6th. I'm sure you all have your Christmas shopping done, right? Okay, all right. Let's take a look at some of this stuff. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer in a second here, so I just want to lift up a couple um, people and things in for our prayers. Um, Robin Hildebrand has asked for prayers for Jackie Bright on the death of her husband. Um, also, we want to lift up Bobby Burke. Bobby was down with her sister, who was having a mass removed in her back, I believe it was. Um, and her sister, 57 years old, was, came out of the um, surgery and was covering, uh, recovering well, um, we thought. And then she passed away. Um, very suddenly on this week, and um, Bobby is down there with them. So please um, lift Bobby in your prayers as well. Um, I also ask for you to continue to lift up my father, Connie Cohen. Um, you, you, many of you know that my mother passed away very suddenly the other uh, the other uh, week, um, November sixteenth. Um, Melissa and I were down there on Friday night, and Dad kind of had a, a little. A turn. He has a couple infections, and so he had to be rushed to the hospital. So it has been a, a year and a month that I am had enough of, right? Anybody with me in there? And so please continue to lift him. He is recuperating well after some good antibiotics and other stuff. Just pray for his knee so that he can get up and be mobile, um, as mobile as he can be. And he's had enough, um, I think, more than anyone can bear. I said, uh, you know, the Lord doesn't give me any more to handle, but he can go next door for a while. You know, I don't mind if you're with me there, okay? Um, so those are some of the prayers that we have. Again, if you uh, didn't get a, a prayer request in, continue to pray for, um, we are going to use our, our, um, our next week, uh, I think it's 38 or so. I don't know. It like, seems like forever. Um, but um, for our Unite 714 prayer, um, we are getting some good news, though, aren't we? We're starting to get some good news with vaccines. I understand um, some states are going to be distributing that by the 14th or so of um, of the month, and so um, we're going to just go ahead and pray that those things go well, that there's no many, no uh, reactions to certain things, and we'll just ask God to kind of move in mighty ways. So let's just pray, and we'll, um, we'll use our prayer from Unite 714. Our verse today comes from Psalm 149, verses 5 through 9. It says, let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be on the throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the mountains and punishment on the peoples, to bind the ki- their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of irons, to execute them on judgment written. This is the honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. So let's pray. Lord, you have uh, placed a two-edged sword in our hands. In Hebrew, the word edge can refer to the word mouth as the mouth of the river. When our mouth speaks or praise the words your mouth has spoken, great powers released. This sword of the Spirit from Ephesians chapter 6 is a weapon used to destroy your enemies. From his mouth comes a sharp sword from Revelation chapter 19, 15. We wield this two-edged sword with power and precision today. So Heavenly Father, you say in Psalm chapter 2, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of earth your possession. Therefore, today we come boldly before your throne with millions of your people from 180 nations proclaiming and praying these words. Lord, give us our communities, our cities, our countries, and every nation of the world. Revive your church and save millions upon millions of precious souls through the outpouring of your precious Holy Spirit. For Almighty Lord, your word promises in Matthew 16, 19, 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. These keys to the kingdom of heaven are ours today as well. And you promise also in Psalm 149 that we just read that every form of opposition to advance your kingdom can be locked up, chained, and fettered through praise and prayer. And so we stand on these words today as, Lord, the advancement of your kingdom is being opposed in some nations all around the world openly. In the name of your son, Jesus, push back the opposition to advance your glorious kingdom even as one day you will bind Satan for a thousand years in Revelation 21 through 3, we cry out now and ask you to spiritually fetter and chain the deceptive powers binding the world's people. And finally, we ask you, by your authority, to do what our world has been unable yet to do to this point. We ask you to completely eradicate COVID-19 from our world in Jesus' name and that we can celebrate not only the fact that you came into the world with us in, uh, as Emmanuel, but God, that you came into this world today and eradicated, that you are God with us, eradicating COVID-19. And for that, we lift up the, na- the names that we lifted up on our prayer request today, that God, you be with those individuals, that you, uh, that you minister to them, whatever healing, whatever comfort, whatever it may be, and God, that many people will know that there is a God who is alive and well on this planet Earth, and we give you praise in Christ's mighty name, and everyone says, amen. All right, a um, couple of different things. Today, our Sunday school is open, so we have our Sunday school um, kids. It's great to have them um, over there and to be doing that. The next time you can register is the 14th. It'll be Monday the 14th for um, the 20th. Uh, so every, they're going to every other week right now, and we pray that, that things continue in that pattern. A couple of different things with Stephen Ministry. Um, Grief Share will begin. It's a 13-week series those dealing with any sort of grief, um, and that will begin uh, via Zoom and in person January the 18th, so um, that, that's not far away, believe it or not, um, so uh, make sure that um, you're connected to that, and also if you're facing a crisis, Stephen Ministers are available to help you through that. We also want to continue to lift up Rebecca Stecker, who, um, who f- uh, fell out in Utah um, and um, has had um, some surgeries and some other things with some complications. We want to continue to lift her in your prayers. I would be remiss if I didn't add her to our prayer list as well. And Michael as well as given his, his care there. Um, other things, Angel Tree. Again, um, this, we're wrapping it up today. Did I see March today? There she is. Where is she? Oh, she's over there dealing with stuff. So um, that's good. Thank you all who've done that. If you still wanted to give to that, you can see her today or we'll put you in contact. Um, with the right people, and we can go ahead and do that. I know you've been able to give also at havencc.org, and thank you all for continuing to, um, to do that, your support uh, of these children to really make, it, make some awesome things happen. And then for uh, the 20th, which is in, in, in two weeks, the 20th, um, which is the week before Christmas, imagine that, um, we will be hosting at, at the Parish Foundation. We need um, to prepare 70 dinner bags, for the Parish Foundation, and bags should be dropped off at the Parish Foundation at 3.30 or 4 o'clock on the 20th. Um, they should include a sandwich, one sandwich, a bag of chips, bottle of water, fruit cup, or soft fruit, such as an orange, cookies, or something sweet, a napkin, and utensils. So um, for, if you can provide them in a uh, gallon Ziploc bag labeled with the type of sandwich, that would be awesome. And thank you guys for continuing in your ministries there and helping out all kinds of things. 
Wow, I am, I am shocked to be able to be at this point to uh, go ahead and, and do a Christmas series. Um, sometimes, I, I think uh, Christmas is often mixed for pastors, um, that sometimes you just kind of, you kind of go through the year, and, it's, and you remember, some of you might be old enough to remember that um, old uh, Dunkin' Donuts commercial where the guy would get up and say, time to make the donuts. You remember that? And sometimes you kind of feel like that when it gets to Christmas as a pastor. Okay, here we go. We need to do these things again. But one of the things that, I, that I, I've always loved as a kid is the Advent. Um, as a kid, I loved it because it was counting down to when I got presents right? Um, and today I like it because it's counting down to when I get presents. Now, um, but today I like it because it does have a dual meaning. Advent, Adventus comes from the Latin term coming. And it means that, um, yes, we recognize Jesus coming into the world. But man, if there's a year that really wants, uh, really focus us to pray quickly, come Lord Jesus, right? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It is this year. I don't know about you, but I am ready. I am so ready. And so um, we lit uh, the first candle, the candle of hope. And today, we're going to light the candle of peace. So here we go. spoken, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Um, those words really rung out to me this year in the, in the video that we have here. Okay, so here we go. We are doing a new series um, called Hark the Carols. And we're going to take every week, um, I'm going to be spending, I'm going to take four different Christmas carols. And um, we're going to have three before Christmas. And I am going to have a special Christmas Eve message. We'll be more um, about Christmas Eve and, and things that we're going we're gonna to do there. Um, but we'll have a special one that is there that kind of fits this year and where we're going. And since uh, the, the, f- the fourth Sunday would be just two days after Christmas, um, we are going to do another hymn there. So um, it, I'll, I'll give you the, the uh, carols that we're going to do. This week, of course, we are going to do O Holy Night. Um, next week is O Come All Ye Faithful. 
uh, which is one of my all-time favorites. Um, then the week before Christmas, the 20th, will be Away in a Manger. And then we are going to have Christmas Eve. And then the last week will be uh, very fitting for this next year, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And so um, I hope you're going to enjoy the series uh, and studying and doing some things for this. I really have. Um, and as we just sang, and I could tell you guys like these songs, right? I could hear you really singing. Um, who doesn't like the carol, um, O Holy Night? Who doesn't like that? Uh, the words, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Today we are going to talk about O Holy Night, this carol. And I want to tell you a little bit of history, and I'm going to show you some pictures up here. In the mid-1800s, there was a Paris priest who asked a guy named Placide Capot, and you'll see his picture here. He's over there sitting in the chair. Placide Capo, who was a French wine merchant and a poet. He asked him to write a poem based off of Luke chapter 2. Now here's the thing. Placide was not a Christian. Matter of fact, he was known as a bit of a wild living hellraiser. Um, I, I think he, he dipped into what he sold a lot more than he uh, did anything. But he was very, very far from God. He was not a churchgoer and could care less about God, but he was an incredible poet that was known in the area. And so he said, sure. And so the, the priest, the Catholic priest, parish priest, went ahead and paid him some money to go ahead and write this poem based off of Luke chapter 2. And so as he began to write this, he wrote this poem, and he loved it so much, the poem, that he called his friend Adolf Adam, who also was not a Christian, and, but was a musician, and said, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go ahead and put music to my poem. The song became so popular, and it ran throughout the Catholic churches until all of a sudden people said, who wrote it? And still to this day, it has both those names on it. And when they found out the two that wrote it, the Catholic church immediately said, we have to stop this. We can't do this. And they tried all the things in their power to shut it down, but it was way too popular at that point. And it didn't work, and it's still probably one of the most popular Christmas songs today. Am I right? I, rem I remember myself when I went to Israel one time, and we were, we were in the shepherd's fields, the shepherd's fields, where the shepherds were, and they saw the angels right outside of Bethlehem. And we had a, a professional gospel singer named Carla Karst who was there. And this night, God prepared a beautiful scene. We're there, and all of a sudden, it's a clear sky with some clouds in the distance, and it's getting ready to be sundown. And all of a sudden, you look up, and you see this bright light in the sky. Now, we all know that was a satellite, but for me, it was a star of Bethlehem at that moment. And Carla began to sing the words, O Holy Night. And as she began to sing them, the clouds with the like burnt sunset were coming through and it was, it was beautiful. And then on top of that, all of a sudden we started hearing this, bah, bah, bah. And all of a sudden these Bedouin shepherds started walking up and we are surrounded by sheep. And it took us back to exactly how amazing that night might have been. 
But you know what's also cool about this song? I'm going to show you another picture of another guy. That's uh, this guy right here. Around 50 years later from the mid-1850s, about 1906, Reginald Fessenden. Anybody know that name? Of course you don't. But he's a, he was a 33-year-old Canadian inventor and university professor who actually studied under Thomas Edison, did what was at the time seemed impossible. In his garage, he made a makeshift generator. He plugged in a microphone, and he began to broadcast his voice over the airways for the very first AM broadcast in the history of the world. It was on Christmas Eve, and he began to read from Luke chapter 2. And he read these words. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a sentence, that a census, should be taken of the entire Roman world. And he read the rest of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And after he was done, he pulled out his violin and he began to play a song. The very first song over the airwaves was a song called, O Holy Night. Can you imagine being there? Like I got a glimpse of in those shepherd's fields. But can you imagine being there that night, 2,000 plus years ago, that oh holy night, that night divine. Now I got to tell you, for me my whole life, I've always had this kind of affinity for manger scenes. I kind of am drawn to them. Anybody else like that? Um, like, like, I, like when I see one like this, I go over. In Israel, they had life-size olive wood ones that were thousands of dollars. Like, I'm talking 15,000, and I was enamored with it. I just thought it was awesome. I don't know what I'd do with it. Probably nothing, but I, I just, I've always been drawn to manger scenes. I was thinking, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it down. I'll bring it in one week. But growing up, um, my family, we, my mom always had this one, and it was kind of a... Um, Finally, a couple of years ago, the stable finally gave up the ghost um, after being taped and everything else. Um, but it was made out of a very thin uh, cardboard that you would push tabs together, and it actually had a little bit of straw on the top. And the figures were kind of like that paper mache kind of um, made. There was, it was before everything was made with plastic, and it was like you had you had the the shepherds who actually had ready for this a real metal staff that was kind of shoved in a hole um, in the bottom of that paper mache. And then you had Mary and Joseph, and you had the angel, and the angel was dressed in, in like this pink robe with these golden wings. And her base broke, so you had to prop her up in the back or she'd fall over. And, um, and so I'd have the sheep, and I'd have the three wise guys that were there, and they had gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I would, I would sneak over there, and I, I, would, I would play with the sheep and... You could always tell when I played with the sheep. Why? Because the angel fell over, you know, and I, I was too little to put it back up. And I, and I always loved that manger scene. When I think of one, I think of that one. And, of course, you had baby Jesus, and he had just, like, he was paper mache kind of thing too, but he had that, like, halo over his head. And there was Mary, and she was like this, and there was Joseph, and he was standing there like this, and, it, and the cow and the, 
the cows were lowing, whatever that means, and they were there, and, and the donkeys, and I just thought this was so awesome and so cool. And that didn't change. Um, my mom would let me play with it somewhat, but she wanted me to be careful with it. And actually, she gave it to me after I got married and said, here you go. When she bought a new one, it wasn't the same because they were glued down to the thing, and the angel was stuck up on top. But mom and, and dad actually gave us little plastic ones that you would, they were made out of that really thin, like, model uh, wood that you would put together to make the, um, make the manger scene and you would have it. And I remember playing with those things for, for hours just because I was enamored with it. But when I got older, even when I was in college years where I may not have been living the best Christian life, I had an affinity for it so much I would buy plastic people, the ones with the big light bulb in them that you could put out. And I used to put them out every year and Melissa was so glad when I stopped putting them outside um, with my tacky plastic people that she thought. Um, but I just, I, have, I even bought the little ones and I bought the bigger ones and I just always loved the manger scene that was there because for me there's some emotional connection in some ways in which we, we look at that that night. And I think in many ways, we also do a disservice to that night. Because we, we always have Mary who's like, huh, and Joseph who's, and baby Jesus is like, eh, you know, I don't know if he's saying change me or what, you know. Um, but they're all just like, yay, ho, ho, like this. And, you know, and I was thinking about this. If we really unpack the story of this, there's a lot of chaos in this oh holy night. Think about this. Mary was a teenager, somewhere 13 to 15 years of age. She was pregnant, and because what Caesar Augustus did, they had to get on a donkey, and they had to go 80 to 120 miles. Now, any, any ladies who've, had, who've been pregnant and had kids, let me ask you something. If you're nine months pregnant and your husband says, let's get on a donkey, I'll let you ride, I'll walk. How many of you are going to go ahead and say that? Or anybody who's at, at you know, your significant other, whatever you may be, says, okay, let's go. What are you going to say? It's nice knowing you, everybody. It's, you know, because that's not going to happen. Because um, think of that. All those miles, 120, 80 to 120 miles. I was thinking about um, just my kids and when Melissa was pregnant with them. And I thought back... Uh, I know, I know, Debbie and Joe and uh, some others here uh, remember those um, the, when Jacob was born. All right, um, some 22 years ago, and Lisa, there you go. Lisa definitely remembers. Um, but 23 years ago, it was anything but an old holy night. You know, 22 years ago when he was born, it was anything but that. Melissa was on high rest pregnancy. They told her about in April, he was due in August. They told her she had an irritable uterus. And me, with all compassion, said, well, that makes everything now. Um, so we went ahead. And, uh, Scott got it. Okay, all right. So, um, But we went ahead, and we would. it was every single day. It was first kid. Every single day, she would have preterm labor from April all the way through the point where he delivered a month early in July. And there was times where she, she went into hemorrhaging. We didn't think he was going to be here. We didn't, she didn't feel a move, all this kind of stuff. And we were going through all this until the night that he was born was anything but an old holy night. Because we had in our minds what was going to happen, that we were going to go. We, we were even going to the breathing classes where, breathe. And I learned how to count more than I ever did on Sesame Street, you know. Um, but I was like, breathe, breathe, one, two, three, right? I got it down. We're ready to go. We are, we are in this class. We're ready to have this 
baby. We're in the class with everybody. The nurses are teaching us and everything. And yet uh, we graduated early because Jacob, they said, we need to have an emergency C-section. Because our idea was going to be this. We were going to go. She was going to deliver. We are going to hold him. It was going to oh, get a photo op and all that stuff. People come by and it was wonderful. That's not how it worked. She had to have an emergency C-section. And this first child that she wanted a month early, it was chaotic. I'm outside. Judy was there too. We're, we're walking through there. We're nervous. And then we heard that cry and we were excited. And then we saw Jacob. They put him in a little isolate container, moved him away. And the only thing that Melissa holding this baby for months and months and months, just wanting to hold him, and, and she carried him all this time, just got to touch his little face as she went out into an isolate to be rushed to Christiana because he had um, his, I think his breathing was off and he had, his blood sugar was off. And so they wanted to make sure he was in the NICU at Christiana. And it took two, three days before he got back and I could carry him in to be with his mom. Doesn't seem like an old holy birth, does it? Seems chaotic. And so one of the disservice that we do to Mary is exactly the same thing. We do it to this night. We, we, this disservice is that here's this teenage girl traveling on there. They go to find room in, a, in an inn or in a hotel. And he says, nope, I don't have that. But I have a cave where the sheep and the goats and the donkeys and the cows are. Anybody ever been in a barn? And guess what? For a, for a uh, cradle, use where we feed them. Sound like a plan. Isn't that what you always hoped for when you decided to have children? And so one thing's for sure that I've learned is if you're nine months pregnant, you are not getting on the back of a donkey and going 80 to 120 miles. And the second thing for sure is that each birth has its own chaos to it. And it's no difference here. So this is just giving me a glimpse into what Mary went through. This barn or cave with a young girl giving birth, Mary giving birth to the Son of God. And in the song, All Holy Night, there's a phrase that stands out to me. And I want to focus on that. And what I'm going to do um, is because I really want you to go ahead and in the series, I'm going to pick out of each of these songs a phrase or a couple phrases to have us really unpack so that the next time you sing that or sing along with it, that this phrase will jump out to you like it's never has before. And you'll remember something amazing as you worship God who it's written for. So the song line is this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, everybody say weary world, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Say weary world again, say that five times real fast, good luck. Uh, You don't have to say it five times, I'm just messing. Boy, is this a, a, a statement that really describes our world today, a weary world. It captures the mood of most I know, in, especially this year, and personally for me, I can tell you, especially over the last month. I am weary. Are you weary? Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you waiting for what's going to happen next? Are you afraid to say, oh, well, I don't know what else can happen, because it will. And that's how you feel at this point in this year, and the world is weary, and you're weary with it. For instance, you may be emotionally or mentally in, in, etern- in internal chaos in your life. You may have family struggle, which bring about chaos in your family. You may have illnesses or COVID and 
you may have that kind of chaos in your life. You may have, which we all do, political and financial chaos. I'm going to tell you, in our world, it is weary because there is chaos absolutely everywhere. And what I love about this song is it says, there is a weary world, but in the midst of that weary world, there is a thrill of hope. In the chaos of the holy night, there is a thrill of hope. I was thinking about the people who were looking forward to this first night when Jesus came. People that had placed their hope for centuries that the Messiah would come and everything was going to be different from that point. And this, for us today, is exactly what faith in Christ does. In the midst of our weary world, I pray that you and I all will discover the thrill of hope in Jesus Christ through faith in him so that your weary world can rejoice. Because even in the midst of this classic holy night, there is a new and glorious morn. What does that mean, the new and glorious morn? Everything is different. So let's focus on this statement, the new and glorious morn, for the rest of today. And to do that, I'm going to take you to the book of Lamentations, a good Christmas verse, right, from Lamentations. Lamentations, let me give you the context to this. The book of Lamentations happens after the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. The people were distraught. They were broken. There was no, they didn't know where to turn, and life was chaotic. Sound familiar? Everything was, seemed to be in ruin. And here you have the prophet Jeremiah, who was lamenting. And you say, what does that mean? He's groaning. He's whining. Anybody heard some whining this year? He's hurting. Anybody heard some hurting this year? And he is pouring his heart out in the midst of this. And in Lamentations 3, we see him in the midst of this lamenting, and it's just a, it's a whole book of just, eh! He's just throwing it out there. In 3, he shifts about whining for a second as he writes these words. And look what he says. He's talking about the bitterness, the gall, all this kind of stuff that he's experiencing. He said, I remember them well. How many of you remember, are going to remember this year really well? For all his bitterness and its groaning and its problems and its... Uh, and its uh, anybody going to remember that we had a political election this year? Anybody going to remember COVID? Anybody? Did you forget it already? No, I think we... And if somebody says the new normal to me one more time, I'll slap him in the face. Anybody with me? Form a line. We'll find them, okay? I remember them well, and my soul is downcast within me. Do you relate to that? Yet this, then look what he does. He says, my soul is downcast within me. But then he switches gears. Look, he says, but this I call to mind. And therefore I have, what is it? Hope. He says, this world stinks. The people around me stink. I'm tired of COVID. It stinks. I'm tired of seeing politics and news. It stinks. I'm tired of masks. It stinks. I'm tired of everything. I'm even tired of Christmas. It stinks. I'm tired of bills. I'm tired of problems. I'm tired of loss. I'm tired of the voices in my head. I'm tired of feeling downcast all the time. And that's where he is. Yet, 
This I call to mind. This I remember. Even in the midst of its tragedy and suffering and pain, this I call to mind. This I remember. And therefore, and when something, when you see therefore, you need to what? Remember why it's there for and ask why it's there for because he says, oh yes, this is what I remember. And therefore I have hope. What is it? What is it that he has hope? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions are new every morning. You see, in the midst of his, his stuff and his feeling and his down and his ripped apart, he says, Oh, wow, wait, I have hope because his compassions are new every morning. That even though it's dark in the middle of the night, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. And then he loses himself when he remembers the goodness of God. He loses track of everything that's going on around him. And here's what he says. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I will say to myself. You ever sometimes just need to preach to yourself? Okay, okay, Jack, you're going to do this. You're going to make sure you have this. Um, Okay, we're going to be sure to go and do that, all right? So he's he's doing that. And so what he says here, he he says, he loses himself in the only God. He goes, great is your faithfulness. As he reminds himself, the Lord is my portion. And therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What he's saying there, it is amazing. Even though today is filled with all this stuff, even though from February all the way up till today's point, it has been the worst year of everybody's life from what I'm hearing. Tomorrow's a new day in God. And in Jesus Christ, it's amazing what a new day with God through Jesus Christ can bring. So I'm going to give you three things that can bring you the thrill of hope in the midst of your weary world that is raging really strong. Sound good? That's what I got today, so deal with it, all right? And so um, we need to look at this. It says, the Lord is good to those who hope in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And so our first thing that we're going to do is talk about a day with Christ. A new day with Christ brings these three things. It brings exactly what you need. Exactly what you need. Notice I didn't say exactly what you want. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are not your celestial Santa Claus. They're not asking you a list of things for what you want. God, you ask him, ask, and he will give if it's according to his plans. Lamentations chapter 3, he says, I will say to myself, the Lord is my what? Portion, therefore I will wait for him. As I said, there are days when you just need to preach to yourself. I will say to myself, I will say to myself, that you've got to be your best preacher. The question is this, what does the Lord is my portion mean? Well, most scholars believe, and I agree with them, that it actually is a reference back to the Israelites. When the Israelites were going through the desert and they had no food, 
They had none whatsoever. That God gave them supernatural bread from heaven. How many of you would like that to cost the bread right now? You got to just plop it out on the ground. You go pick it up. Supernatural bread. And what was interesting is God gave them just enough each day. Except for the day before the Sabbath, they took a little bit more. If they tried to hoard it up, because guess what? They did. It would mold and rot. Okay? And God was teaching them something that I think he wants to tell us today. That God meets our needs every single day. That each new day, God has new blessings for us. It's kind of what Jesus said when he, when he taught us to say, give us today our daily bread. God is already in your tomorrow and he has everything you need to make it through that day. An example is of this, it would be no matter what you need in relationships that are falling apart today, God is there in the tomorrow to heal the brokenhearted. You may be weak today, but God is in tomorrow with all the strength that you need. You may be depressed and have anxiety today, but he is the lifter of your head for tomorrow. You may be hurting, and he is your comforter. You may be down, and he gives you strength through his joy. You may be lost today, but guess what? He is the way, the truth, and the life for your tomorrows. And we need his strength because we're so weak. We need his strength, power, and love, and goodness. And he has all those things and more for each one of us that is there. So the first thing we need to recognize is God will give us what we need. Not what we want. The second thing, you ready for number two? He gives us the hope to keep going. See, the first thing is he gives us what we need, but the second thing is that thrill of hope. I was thinking with this, and I was remembering when I was a kid, Christmas Eve, I couldn't sleep. I was restless, but I was scared to death to get out of bed. You know what I mean? But I couldn't wait to get up in the morning and in my little pajamas with the little footy things in them, you know, like that. Um, I couldn't wait to get downstairs and see those packages and that Christmas tree lit up and see all those things. You know what I'm talking about? Many of us have lost that, haven't we? We've lost that in each and every area of our lives that we put on a good game face, but because of the weary world in our lives, the thrill of hope is gone. We're waiting for the next shoe to drop rather than we're waiting for the next blessing from God in every day. Because if I remember that every new morning his, his compassions are great and new every morning, then I will learn that the thrill of hope in the midst of the weary world is what a day with Jesus brings. There's always a new morning to follow the chaos of your night. In Lamentations verses uh, 25 from chapter 3, it says this, The Lord is good to those who ho whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. I read this quote, and some people may remember um, a book written in the 70s or 80s called The Late Great Planet Earth. I think it was by Hal Lindsey. Anybody remember the name Hal Lindsey? And Hal Lindsey put this quote. He said, man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Too many 
are struggling to survive with a hope of a deprived life. You may have put your hope, and so many people put their hopes in the wrong things. You may put your hope in the investment, and you're getting scared because nobody knows what's going to happen in the stock market. You may be putting your hope in a job or a company that you work for or that you've worked for for years. You may be putting your hope into a person or an individual. You may have your hope in a, in a result or outcome that you want or just need and you know it needs to happen or I'm going to break if I don't get this one. Sound familiar? If I don't have this, if it doesn't work out this time, this has got to be, um, this is my last hope in this. And then it doesn't happen and hope goes away. Because the problem is we are putting our hope in all kinds of wrong things. And when we do put our hope in all kinds of other things, guess what it leaves us? Hopeless. Every single thing I have put my hope in, every single person, every single relationship, every single job, every single, um, oh my gosh, I'm a Philadelphia fan, every sports team I have put my hope in has let me down at some point in my life. The only one who has never let me down is Jesus. And therefore, I can recall and have hope in him. We become hopelessness. When we become hopeless, we bring the weary world to the forefront and we wonder if there's anything good that exists. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it tells us an interesting verse. It says, let us, I love this verse, hold unswervingly. You know what that means? That means no matter what's going on, you're holding on. I kind of get like, you ever seen somebody when they're holding on to like um, a, a kite or something that pulls them off the ground and they're whipping around and they're holding on or somebody grabs onto a fire hose and it goes loose and it's just, you hold on unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Hold on to it in your life and don't ever let go of the hope in Jesus Christ. Grab hold of that hope and trust in him, for he is faithful. And we have a challenge. We have a challenge of doing several things. Because often what we do in our lives, we're letting go of what the Bible says. We're letting go of the word of God and the hope we have in him. That's what we're letting go of. And we're holding on to what we're seeing in the world. We're holding on to what we're being told. We're looking at so-called experts and everybody else, and they're good but as I read the scripture and the, and the word of God, what I'm reading is this. I'm reading something very, very powerful, that God uses the wisdom, of the, the foolishness of the world to confound the wise of this world. That he knows what's going on even when we don't. We need to let go of what the world is telling us and to hold on to the truth of the promises of God. There's so many tragedies that we all experience in life. And I came across this account, this story this week from Pastor Craig Rochelle of LifeChurch.Universe or whatever it's called now. Um, he's an amazing pastor. He actually got his, I, I, I have a kindred relationship with him because he got his start in the United Methodist Church. And um, God called him to do an incredible ministry around the world. But I want to share this for the next two minutes. I want him to speak to us about the tragedy of losing a friend who lost hope. I can't get over the loss of a friend 
who surrendered hope. I mean, there's hardly a month that goes by after over a dozen years that I'm not talking about it to somebody of a friend who lost hope. Great man of God, great friend, great dad, great husband, and in the darkness of the night, and we still don't know what happened. Nobody knows. He panicked, he was in trouble, he made a bad decision, he was afraid, we don't know. But he took his life, and um, he was our friend, and his wife called us first, and we were the first people over to his house, and we took her in, and we took her kids in, and we came back in the longest night of our lives, and we held each other, and we <coughs> cried. And we cried, and we held each other, and we cried, and we held each other. The thing I remember most was not the night, but early the next morning, I went into the office just to get away to pray and try to figure out which way's up and what are we gonna do. And I got in my car, and I drove just before the sun was coming up, and I looked, and I saw the most beautiful sunrise that you've ever seen in your life. And I rolled down my windows and I stopped and I listened to the birds starting to chirp and the sun coming over the horizon and I just thought, man, if he could have just made it through the night. If he could have just seen what this day had to offer. What, whatever it was that was up in his mind, whatever fear, whatever lie it was, if he could have just held on to the hope and made it through the night and seen the rising sun that I see if he could have just remembered the risen son that I know. Don't lose hope. Don't ever give up on the thrill of hope in the midst of your weary world. No matter what is ever going on in your life, no matter what the world brings, to you. Don't forget that nothing stops the sun from rising in the morning. And nothing, no power in all the world, the universe, or even the greatest powers of hell kept God's son in the grave and kept him from rising again. And so what we learn is this, no matter how dark the evening is, no matter how painful it is, no matter how weary your world is, there is a new and glorious morn that is coming. And so we need to recognize and never forget, just like he said here, if his friend had just gotten through the night, he would have seen the new and glorious morn. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. Many ways I talk to myself. Many ways I talk to each individual. But what I'm here to tell you right now, just get through this darkness of the night and get to the new and glorious morn by calling into mind the goodness of God, that his, his, his goodness is new every morning. Number three in our last one. A day with Jesus gives you the help that you're seeking. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 26, it says this, It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Is anybody like me, you don't like to wait? If I found the present when I was little, man, I was, 
I will beg my, I beg mom and dad constantly, oh, can I open this? Can I open it? Come on, we're like three weeks away from Christmas. I need a present. I need a present. I want to open it. I couldn't stand it. If I saw my name on that tag, it drove me batty. I'm like that with everything. I don't like to wait. But I can tell you, it is amazing that if you just get through the night, it's worth the wait for the morning with one day with Jesus. Not, now, now, I'm not saying that a day with Jesus makes all the weary world go away, but it makes it able to get through it with him. It makes it bearable. And I'm not just talking about, hi, Jesus, how you doing? Going. I'm talking about an encounter with Jesus, not just sup, sup, Lord, and go by your day, and that's it. I'm saying an encounter with the living God. There are several biblical examples that we have. Anybody heard of a guy named Lazarus? Lazarus was somebody who Jesus loved. It was like, he was like a brother to him. And he was dead and in a tomb for four days. And the King James Version puts it best. It said, he stinketh much. Now let me tell you, I've had teenage boys. They stinketh much. But four days in a tomb, you stinketh much. Here he is. He has been dead, and everybody else is grieving. Mary and Martha say, Lord, if you have been here, and Jesus said, don't you know I'm the way, the truth, and life? Jesus went there and said, you roll away the stone. And they're like, Lord, he stinketh. He said, I know, roll it away. And he rolled away the stone because the darkness of the night was over that family so deeply. They couldn't see the light of Christ that was right there. And when they, he rolled away the stone, and God is saying, in your night, roll away the stones of your life. Do whatever it takes to roll that stone away. And where it is dead, he's going to say, get up and come forth. And he's going to bring life to something new and powerful. Lazarus would tell you, it's a major difference with one encounter with Jesus. A woman with the issue of blood who had this issue of blood for 13 years. Wherever she went, she had to yell, unclean, unclean. And she heard that Jesus was there and she saw him. And she had to get to the hem of his garment, she believed. In order to get, Jesus always had crowds around him. So I, I have this picture, this bleeding woman who could have been stoned to death for being unclean and not yelling at is crawling through with people stepping on her and dust and dirt. Can you imagine her, the darkness of her self-esteem and everything that's going on in her life? And she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples go, are you crazy? Everybody's touching you. And he said, no, I felt power flow from me. And she had to stand up in the darkness, recognizing that her faith may have gotten to her at a point where she was go now going to die. But guess what? She didn't have to yell unclean because one encounter with Jesus made her completely clean. And when she had that happen, she would tell you here today, a day with Jesus makes a major, major difference in your life. Or what about the man who was hanging out by a pool who couldn't walk from birth, some 38 years. And he's hanging at the pool, Bethesda. And Jesus, he's whining about not being able, nobody will help me get in the water. Nobody will help me get in the water. Look, everybody's helping. I can't get in the water when the water's stirred for the angels to heal. And Jesus said, I did not ask you that. I said, do you want to get well? He said, I can't get in the water. He says, shut up about the water. Quit making excuses for your, for your predicament. I am here and I am telling you, do you want to get well? He said, of course I do. He said, get up and walk, which is a bad thing to say to somebody who can't walk unless you're going to do something. And let me tell you, this man got up, 
walked, leaped, was praising God and enjoying it. And I guarantee you, if he stood here today, he would tell you, a day with Jesus makes a major difference. The night of his 38 years went by the way because the new mercy came in the next day. Some of you really need to hear this. That the one thing in common that they had was an encounter with Jesus Christ. And you really need to hear this because you, like me and many other people, are in the weary world right now. But there is a thrill of hope that will make your weary world rejoice. And a glorious morn is coming. You need to be reminded that in the middle of your weary world, that you are, you, we are all reminded because of that all-holy night, that all-holy night of chaos, when Christ was born, in the middle of that chaotic night, Emmanuel, God, Jesus is with us and here. Because a new day with Jesus in the midst of our weary world brings us exactly what we need, gives us the hope to keep going, and the help that we're seeking. Romans chapter 13, and we'll close with this verse says, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What does it say? The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The night is nearly over. The day is nearly here. Hey, I gotta tell you something. The night is nearly over, and the day's almost here. The night is nearly over, thank you. The day is almost here. Your weary world, it's gonna keep on being weary. It's gonna keep on doing things, but the mercies and the compassions of God are new the next morning. Remember that, oh holy night. Amen, let's stand. And God, I am tired of the weary world. I think it's interesting that, that we have Jeremiah from a book of Lamentations because that guy, every time he opened his mouth, somebody wanted to punch him in it. And God, sometimes when, when I'm struggling in the midst of the weariness of this world, I forget the thrill of hope I have in you. God, I, I forget that in the midst of that oh holy night that we go ahead and have beautiful manger scenes and all kinds of stuff and we talk about the shepherds and the, the wise men and the sheep and the lowing, whatever that is. We forget that there was a lot of chaos for your family. That that chaos didn't stop when, when Herod decided he wanted to go ahead and kill all two years and younger. That chaos didn't stop when you answered your father's call to serve in ministry and do, fulfill the reason why you came. Oh no, God, that, Lord Jesus, that, um, that chaos didn't stop when, when you were in the Garden of Gethsemane. That chaos didn't stop when one of the people that you called your friends betrayed you and 
turned you over and the chaos didn't stop throughout that night when you were beaten. And the next day, you were nailed upon a cross and then you were laid in a tomb. And the darkness of the night overcame your followers and everybody so much that they locked themselves away. And the darkness of Friday covered over into Saturday. But oh God, the thrill of hope on that, that Sunday morning when the stone was rolled away, the weary world finally rejoiced. For the thrill of hope brought rejoicing. Yeah, the stuff was still going on. And, and as I see, all those who followed you died a martyr's death except for one of your disciples. But they had something more glorious. They had the power of the Holy Spirit living within them, and they knew where they were going. And so, God, for us right now, in the midst of our weariness, I pray that you will just speak to us, that your Spirit will fall upon us, and that, God, we will, we will live with that fervor, and we won't forget the thrill of hope. Because this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope that your compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So God, here we are. Speak to us about your old holy night. That each day in the midst of that chaos, that we, we recognize joy comes in the morning. For that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine? So great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven.
Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave had no grip on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no grip on me. came the morning. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. You notice it didn't come in the middle of the darkness. It didn't come in the death. It didn't come in the burial. It came in the resurrection, which came in the morning. Whatever your weary world is, rejoice because the thrill of hope is coming in the morning. A new dawn breaks. Have a great week. Next week, oh come all you faithful. God bless. We'll see you.